Hey you guys, welcome to Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. My name is Luis Sanchez. Hey guys, I'm Scott Callantine. Welcome to today's podcast episode. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to Keeping It Simple. Today we have uh, a great guest with us, Brother Monty Wright. Monty, welcome to the show. Please tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and uh, what your ministry context is like. Thanks, Luis. It is, uh, I'm really excited to be here with uh, you guys. Um, what my ministry context is like, who I am, those are, those are deep questions. Uh, so who am I? So I'm Monty. Um, I've been pastoring for about 35 years. I've uh, mm-hmm. been a church planter since I was 21 years old. And so my last church uh, was Snoqualmie Valley Alliance. We planted. Uh, I was there for 20 years, and now I'm in the district superintendent role for the Alliance Northwest. So we'll talk about what that's like. But uh, I would say my life has been about uh, planting churches, uh, reaching people, expanding the kingdom. I am married to an amazing woman, uh, Amy Wright. She is currently a coach uh, to school district superintendents nice. through the Washington mm-hmm. State Leadership Academy. Um, we met in high school. She was that girl in the nice. band room, you know, <laughs> and uh, so... So I uh, met her, so we have been together since, since high school. I have two, uh, two really great kids. Uh, my daughter, Emma, uh, she is just moved to North Carolina. She's married to a Greek Ray. And uh, so we, after being in Nashville a couple weeks ago, we went and oh, yeah. visited her and mm-hmm. saw her get moved in and uh, checking on, on, on her. And we're expecting our first grandchild uh, through Emma and her husband, Connor. Congratulations. Uh, exciting, yep. And then uh, my son, Liam, uh, is currently just started a, a new position at North Seattle Church. Uh, uh, he calls himself the Bishop of Beans and Beets. Um, nice. So he's helping Trent out there with Coffee House as well as worship. Uh, at North Seattle Church. So if you know anything about the Northwest, you know that <laughs> coffee is very important. So that is a very important man That's in, in right. those circles. Yeah. <laughs> very important. Yeah. It's the Lord's drug right there. Yeah. I think he was more stressed out about helping with the coffee than worship, than the worship. Is, is, is the language. Well, we're so glad you're here. Just, uh, you know, as we're nearing the end of our first season, it's been an amazing amazing uh learning opportunity getting to do this um podcast with scott and as we're nearing our first season uh we're wrapping up with an emphasis on soul care and emotional health mm. specifically as it relates to leaders and yeah. and, and in our context we talk it's really important yeah. yeah we talk about um um you know micro churches simple mm. churches and that expression and, and we recognize that Leaders of all stripes and colors need emotional health. So, what would you say, uh, Monty? Um, you know, I looked you up a little bit, so okay. I think you have something to say. That's why we brought you here. So, what would you say to uh, church and Christian leaders about the importance of emotional health and soul care? 
Well, uh, well, I think it's the most important topic for mm. church leaders, for those going into ministry, whether it's in the neighborhoods or the nations. Mm. Uh, uh, healthy leaders lead healthy churches, which produce health, healthy disciples, which plant more churches that are healthy. And so the, the whole concept of soul care and emotional health um, in, in a holistic sense is something uh, that has been neglected, particularly mm. in the evangelical church for a long time. Happy to say in the last few decades, it's gained uh, some speed mm. because of the burnout rate of pastors. Mm. So it's because mm. we've seen burnout rates of pastors rise, all of a sudden we're asking, oh, why? why? Yeah. And so uh, that's one of the reasons soul care, emotional health is so important is so that our pastors lead from a healthy place, mm. that their doingness flows from their beingness, if, if you follow me on that. And, and so if, uh, if our doingness, that what we do in ministry um, is coming from an unhealthy place, then we just perpetuate unhealthy disciples. Right. And they end up giving Jesus a black eye in the world mm. and destroy their families and hurt people in their churches. Yeah. So it's, it's important. When you said that, that reminded me of something I think, I, I don't remember where I heard it, but it was like working for Jesus from approval, yeah. not for approval. Yeah. You know, yeah. and recognizing that you do that um, in the world uh, from a place of the belovedness, you yeah. know, and, and, and then you care for yourself well, you care for others well, yeah. and um, you do that from a loving place. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the burnout rate pastors and how that's been a driving force of this resurgence of um, the priority of emotional health and um, soul care. Could you first define with us what is emotional health? What is soul care? And then why is it needed for our leaders? How does it help combat burnout? Or is there another also more reasons to, to why it's needed? Yeah, well, Tell you a story first, guys. Yeah, okay. and, and, uh, I love, I love <laughs> stories. Story time. <laughs> story time with It Monty was a, a number of years ago in our district, the Alliance Northwest, and we cover Alaska, Washington, Oregon, part of Idaho. Mm. Uh, we were having this conversation. Uh, Matt Boda was a district superintendent at that point. I was overseeing our LOC process. And we're looking at burnout rates. What can we do? And so for about a two-year period, we gathered a group of us. Morris Dirks was in this group. Sherry Morgan was in this group. And, and we started having conversations and bringing some folks in to help us look at what can we do in the Alliance Northwest because we want all of our leaders to finish well, mm, finish good. healthy, finish strong. Yeah. And one of the guys that Matt Boda had brought in with us in these think tank conversations uh, was Dave Hearn, who's currently the president of the Alliance in Canada. I like it, that guy. It, he is, he like is a guy. firecracker. Yes. Um, there was, this was interesting. So Dave made a statement that really caught me off guard. So we're looking at how come mainline churches seem to have language for soul care, spiritual formation, spiritual right. direction, but in the evangelical church we're arguing whether it's biblical. Or right. not, right? And, and so how come the main lines seem to be healthier? And Dave Hearn goes, oh, it's because of, it's because of our eschatology. And so, you know, we all kind of like, what? And he goes, no, just think about this with me. Most main lines, their eschatology is going to be Amel. And so the, the, the end time scenario is a little different for them. 
A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, um, who was a, a dispensational pre-mill guy, he believed, and he really did, he believed that Jesus would return within a 10-year period. He was like, in fact, A.B. Simpson thought when he finally broke into Tibet, that was, that was it. When he, when he entered Across Tibet, he thought Jesus was going to return. That's why the emphasis on the evangelical churches from the mid-1800s, really in, even into the early 1900s, was let's reach the globe for Jesus Christ. Uh, A.B. Simpson took Matthew 24 when uh, the gospel of the kingdom is yeah. preached to every ethnos, every tongue, every tribe. Then the end will come. Okay. He links that to Matthew 28, the Great Commission. So everything in most evangelical churches is about bringing back the king. That's what our terminology for the alliance, yeah. right? Bringing back the king, but the second coming of Christ. And so your end times eschatology, if we think it's close, why would you care about making sure your pastors are healthy? Because Jesus will be back. He'll heal us all in 10 years. Mm -hmm. What we need to do is reach lost. So this, this beautiful urgency is born because of an expectation that Jesus is going to return really soon. Mm. What's lost is long -term, a long-term approach of looking at, mm. hey, we need to make sure our leaders are healthy. But it's, I, I, Dave said that. I go, wow, that's, that's insightful, mm. very insightful, that our eschatology in some ways even can set us up for how we care for ourselves or don't care for ourselves based on when we think Jesus is, is actually going to return. So have you seen anyone do this well where they're both – living on mission and at the same time doing that from a place that's emotionally healthy yeah well there are um i would say even in my my journey it was having an having an urgency to reach those who are far away from god um, or those who have left the family mm -hmm. so to speak to have the urgency to reach them which i do think is important because life is short you yeah. never know when, when someone is, is about to meet Jesus. What's, what's as, been as important to me, and I've seen this more so in the next generation of leaders than in the boomers and the busters generations, is if I'm going to do that successfully, I need to be healthy. I need mm -hmm. My mission needs health. I need to make sure that I have all the energy that I need to have in order to reach those who are around mm -hmm. me. I need margin in my life yeah. so that I have time to develop redemptive relationships. And so I think I saw a shift probably more in the in the buster Gen X generation and then heading towards the millennial generation of, mm -hmm. of better health. In the boomer generation, I think they were kind of bought out. They were bought into the concept of it's better to burn out than rust out. It's, you know, let's get this mission done. It, it was a build, build, build. Mm. But that also led to tons of pastors just flaming out on the field. And that leaves mm. broken and disillusioned people in churches yeah. who often yeah. then walk away from the faith. So mm. to look at emotional health, why it is so, is so important, Scott, is is if we don't have emotional health, which means I have the capacity to respond instead of just react to the culture around me. Mm -hmm. I have enough margin in my life to respond in a, in a Christ-like way to all things, that I'm aware of what's going on in and down in my soul so that I can allow Jesus to heal that. Um, if we don't have that, then we're just going to be developing disciples that look like us who are also frazzled. Mm. burning out even in their own contexts 
Uh, yeah, so that I really, I really think emotional health is when uh, this is might be a weird analogy. Emotional. I I talk to people about moving into emotional health. I'll say things like this: Are you tired of the six-year-old version of you driving the bus of your life? That six-year-old that was all about them, all about their wants, mm. their needs, uh, an inability to react or respond well. Do you want that? person driving your life or do you want someone who's been formed fully in Jesus to be the one driving your life that's when we start to mm. see emotional health and Jesus is the epitome yeah. f- of, the of emotional health that that reminds me um, we've referenced Pete Scazzaro and mm-hmm. the spirituality several times on the podcast but in uh, I think it's emotional health and spirituality the book he talks about a 20 year Christian are you a Christian of that is 20 years old in development or are you a one-year Christian 20 times over? Yeah. Right? That's that's yeah. what comes to my mind when you yeah. mention yeah. that. There was uh, Erwin McManus said, uh, we had Erwin out for a district conference once uh, years ago and Erwin, great line, he goes, you know, there's a great difference between mature Christians and old Christians. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's gold. Um, there mm. is. Just because you have been a Christian for 40 years does not mean you are a mature Christian. You could just, you're just an old Christian. Mm. However, if you are forming, you're becoming aware of who you are. Yeah. You're becoming aware of the areas of your life that need sanctification, growth, yeah. and attention from Holy Spirit. And you're bringing those into the light. Now you're growing into emotional health. Now you're mm. growing holistically allowing the gospel to yeah. change you body, soul, and spirit, tri- the trichotomy that we're made in. Yeah. And a lot of this episode is focused on emotional health for leaders. Um, so listeners, as you're listening to this, I hope that you're going to gain something from this. But for those who, who might be listening today and are thinking, you know, I may not see myself as a leader or I may not, you know, be in vocational ministry or or anything like that. But they may be seeking to join us here at the Simple Church Collective or they're listening and they might want to start Simple Churches. What kind of advice would you give them about being emotionally healthy? Well, you know, I, I've heard that over the years, pastoring. Well, I, I'm not a leader. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll tell you this. I believe everyone is a leader. Let's go. Um, and Back so what, what is a leader? Uh, a leader is someone who's like at least a little bit ahead of the next person. Yeah. Mm. And you can lead. That's discipleship, right? So for me, leadership and discipleship intermix. Yeah. And so everyone's a leader. Everyone's leading someone. Someone is following you whether you know it or not. But mm. if you're just, a, a, if you formed a little bit more than the person behind you, then, then they're following you. So that's why this is important. Also, everyone is looking at us all the time to see has the gospel actually changed them? Yeah. Does this truth about Jesus, has it transformed who they are? Are they clicking on porn less than they mm. used to? Are they are they raging at their spouse less than they used to? Are they able to have bandwidth with their kids? Are they making life choices that's going to put God and family before career? Are they making these shifts that when the see when the gospel touches down in a in a person's life, it changes everything about the way they relate to the world and the way Way they relate to their family, the way they relate in the church, because Trinity has invested themselves in us, and they're birthing that Trinitarian relationship through us. So if you look at Trinity as a model for life, we co-equal, 
co-eternal, this beautiful divine dance of, yeah. of co-equality. There is no hierarchy in Trinity. There's just mutual submission, which is, this is the view of, of a marriage. This is the view of the way church leadership should operate on an elimination of hierarchy in a, in a movement to co-equality. And so if we start to reflect that, that's the best testimony and the most powerful witness that we can give the world around us if is if we're growing in that mm-hmm. and that is emotional health that is spiritual maturity yeah. mm-hmm. this is when we start applying the disciplines we've been practicing to our lives mm-hmm. they start to help us stay connected to Jesus so that we grow yeah so I mean I think you just touched on this um, a little bit so it's kind of like make it a little bit like more practical for our people, right? What does it feel like, in your opinion, uh, to be uh, around an emotionally healthy person? How does um, uh, a person experience those who are emotionally healthy? That's a that's an awesome question. Let me uh, let me ponder for a moment. Um, I think an emotionally healthy person, the number one characteristic of that person is self differentiation. Mm-hmm. So they, they can love from a pure place. So they tend to have a non-anxious presence or you feel non-anxious around them. It's like, oh, I can just, I can be me. Yep. There's I, a calmness. There's a, yeah, there's this, there's this centeredness. There's this non-anxiousness. Mm. I, th- I also feel inspiration from, from folks who I feel are just dialed, dialed yeah. into the, the presence of Christ. In some ways, you almost feel the Holy Spirit just like, mm buzzing through them to you but you 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 feel safe um you you feel that you can share who you are where you're at you're not going to be judged you might be given a truth but you're not going to be judged there's a difference between Mm -hmm. those that's a whole podcast between judgment and truth right there right um (laughs) uh, so i feel that's what you receive jesus had this ability he had this ability to be around every type of person and they, for whatever reason, felt safe to be around him. Even the Pharisees felt safe to, to be legalistic around him. Um, those who were broken felt safe to come to his feet. So there was just something about this, this manifest presence of God walking in the world that's attractive. It's drawing. It's not repelling. Mm-hmm. We never see Jesus with a bullhorn. Uh, you know, so there's there's this winsomeness. That's an old term. Yeah, I love that. Too. There's this winsomeness, and and this this mm-hmm. the sense of self awareness of the person that creates space for all of us to be who yeah. we are. Um, Brandon Manning had a great saying, where he said, "Jesus loves us. You know, Jesus loves as as we should be because we'll never be as we should be." And he loves us just as we are. Just as we are. Not, not as, as we, we should, should be. be. Because we'll never be as we should be. Um, I, love the, I love that too. <laughs> and uh, he lived it. Uh, and I had the opportunity to bring Brandon to my church. Yeah. And to do spiritual direction with Brandon. And the, that guy was the epitome of a non-anxious presence. Mm-hmm. Let's let's camp on that for a second because yeah. Brendan Manning, um, he's a, Luis is a fanboy. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah. I I, I totally so fanboyed. <laughs> he came to Nyack College, yeah. and I completely we read Brendan Manning, and we'll get into like resources in a second. Yeah. But 
Uh, we read Branding Manning for a class that I took um, called Personal Spiritual Formation. Okay. Um, that was taught. Did, which book did you read? Um, do you remember? Abba's Child. Abba's Child, great yeah, book. Yeah, by, by Brendan Manning. It's and generally my first recommendation of Brendan's books, Abba's Child. All right, you guys can't see this, but this is a high five. <laughs> uh, that's So that changed my life. Yeah. I heard the gospel for the first time. Mm-hmm. I'd grown up in church, right? I heard the gospel for this. It wasn't a... A gospel of performance. It wasn't a gospel of works righteousness. It was a gospel of God loves you. You know, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. And then also 10, right? You guys look that up. 10 talks about now do the word, yeah. right? But mm. but you didn't have to earn it, right? Yeah. You didn't have to yeah. earn it that God loved you just as you are, not as he should, should be, be, because you're never going to be as you should be. Yeah. Yeah. And and he did come to Nyack. Story time now, my turn. Uh, uh, he and I and I bought a, a a new Abba's Child book. I knew that he was coming, and at this point, he was actually, uh, you know, like he he was very sick at the time. Yeah. So you can tell he had said this sermon many many times before. It almost sounded rehearsed, but it was still very impactful. He preached three four times in the span of like two days, and it was yeah. amazing to see him do that. In like his seventies or yeah. whatever he was, and like he's a dynamo, dude. And so, <laughs> crazy story. I was still in college. I was dating my wife at the time. I had felt like the Lord was like, He said to me, Luis, um, one day you're gonna have a son. And I was like, Okay, what do I do with this? And I was like, Fine. And then I bought this book, and when and it was so impactful to me. Outside of the scriptures, I was child is the most impactful book um, that I've ever read. And I chased down Brendan Manning fanboy style <laughs> as he was being escorted out of yeah. chapel. And I said, Manning, uh, Brendan, could you please um, dedicate this to Noah? And Noah was years out. Mm. He hadn't even been born. Because wow. one day I, 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 I would have a son and I felt like we would name him Noah. And so I have in my garage right now. Uh, a book that's uh, been written to Noah. That is really know, cool. From Brendan Manning. That one day I hope he gets the yeah. gospel because it changed my life. It really did. Yeah. And then it actually helped me on my own journey yeah. of emotional health, right? Yeah. Because then I didn't have to work for the Father's yeah. approval, yeah. right? And then I could be myself. And then in the broken places that I still had and in the crevices of my soul, I was able to invite Jesus into those places. Yeah. And, and I didn't have to hide Because you felt safe. I didn't have to hide yeah. anymore because yeah. Jesus wasn't judging me, right? He was yeah. loving me, yeah. and he was loving th- those dark places out of me, right? Yeah. Brandon had a way of getting to that point, like no other for me. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a fanboy, too. Right. Um, and, you know, I asked Brandon the last time I was with Brandon, I asked him, I said, okay, out of everything you've written, what do you feel is your most important work? What is the book that you want everyone to read of yours? And he said, Ruthless Trust. Yeah. And he said he felt he had pulled all of the thoughts from everything mm-hmm. from Ragamuffin Gospel, um, uh, Albus Child, all of all these books. He said it's this, it's this ruthless trust because are you going to believe God is good even if the world is bad? Mm. Are you going to believe God is good even if things didn't go your way? Mm. He, he really felt, and I wholeheartedly agree with him, that the, one of the biggest problems for evangelical Christians uh, has been believing the goodness of God yes. if we don't get our way yeah. with the Western Christian culture. And that's part of the emotional health, right? Absolutely. Just 
yeah. trusting that God is good and that yeah. the gospel is good for us, yeah. right? And that we don't have to perform. Yeah, mm. yeah Brand, good guy. So, so now that we're on to resources, right? Um, and, and maybe even talking about people that have helped us along the way. What, what are some folks that um, you have read or maybe some tools that you would reckon, recommend for uh, people um, that are looking to, to engage in emotional health and soul care? Um, you've, you've mentioned a few, so I'll reiterate some. But one of the first books that uh, really helped me uh, on this journey was a book by Dan Allender called The Healing Path. Uh, Seattle Pacific University for years would do uh, about twice a year these events on campus for pastors where they'd bring in someone and they brought in Dan Allender so this was right as I was uh, planting Snoqualmie Valley and so I'd be 98 ish and he was his book was a healing path and it, it was an eye-opener because of that book and my desire for that my church plan to be a healthy place for me as well as the people, um, we launched really with recovery in in mind. Brennan was the the other large piece for me. So I'd say between Dan Allender and, and Brennan's work, that brought me into recovery. If it, recovery is a game changer for health too, you know you've mentioned Pete Scazzaro, so we'll we'll talk about. Uh, Pete's work and now Rich is Rich uh, 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 Volotis or Volotis 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 I was by the way I was trying to get Rich for Renew and I got declined I I thought oh this would but we got Rich on the podcast and and he's coming up in a couple of weeks yeah Yeah. so so give him a hard time for turning us down for he will get us get him back in the hopper he was he was busy on those dates but um so, and that's part of emotional health too, though, like saying no and saying, "Hey, absolutely, I'm what's 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 this my boundary?" Yeah. 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 yeah, if you want to have health, your yes is, has to be yes, your no has to be no. You have to say yes to the right things and no to the right things, right, right. and mm-hmm. that takes self differentiation, right. no people pleasing, etc. But yeah, so um, look at recovery principles too; um, those are really really important. Re- basic recovery principles. Uh, Scazzaro's. Uh, book emotionally healthy spirituality I recommend every church do yep. uh, we we had a large recovery program um, at SVA probably yeah, for almost for 15 years we we're probably running for many years well over 100 people a week just in recovery and there are certain people that won't go to recovery groups because recovery is in the name so one of the things we had prayed about over the years is so what's that piece that I can get everyone in because as a pastor, I know this thing to be true, and that is everyone who sits in a seat on a Sunday morning is broken and in need of healing and help, mm-hmm. right? So we were praying for you. What could we do to get other folks in? And I looked at Scazzaro's work, um, started with Emotionally Healthy Leader with my board, which was really good. Mm-hmm. Then we launched Emotionally Healthy uh, Spirituality. And I remember, so my wife and I were going to lead the first group. I'm thinking, the title, you know, it's not the, the most robust or sexy title in the mm-hmm. world. He's like, emotionally <laughs> healthy spirituality, yes. Um, it's kind of a mouthful. Right? Yeah, kind mm-hmm. of a mouthful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we launched it, and I think for that first group, Amy and I had the first night 75 people show up in the gym. I was like, all right. So we quickly raised up small group leaders uh you know and over the years we've i've had a number of groups that were 
that number or more. Yeah. And it's it's hitting a, it's hitting a really important healthy mark in mm. everyday Christian lives as yeah. well as leaders. But if we don't if we don't do that journey in and down, the fruit that we're producing is not good fruit. Yeah. That would probably be you, Scott. You're asking definitions of emotional health. Jesus put it that way: a healthy tree produces healthy yeah. fruit. And so if we are producing bad fruit of anger, brokenness, mistrust, um, deceit, if, if that is the norm, then we aren't healthy. Mm. And so we, if we want to grow towards healthy fruit, the way Scazzaro puts it is, I'm going to teach you some disciplines to become a trellis in your life mm. so that your, the plant that is your life can grow on the trellis. Just as a side note, I think what Scazzaro does a really good job in there is is also helping us realize the spiritual disciplines that we begin to practice, they don't change us. They put us in the presence of the one who changes us. So, so I, 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 have a, I, have a, I have a book. My first book was called Sacred Space. And in it, I go through eight rhythms uh, to help really be a trellis for you. These are the eight rhythms that worked in my life. And so everything in there is from, you know, Lexio, doing Lexio, to uh, practicing moral inventories, you know, to understanding your, your pathway to connect with God. So I have eight rhythms in, in my book, and Scazzaro talks about the rhythms in his book. He begins to build in that morning and evening yeah. rhythm for you. Here are rhythms and Daily patterns. Office. They become your trellis so that you stay in the presence of the one who transforms problem with so many Christians is we begin to think the program transformed mm. us or the practice transformed us rather than Holy Spirit bringing about the life of Christ in us because we were in his presence through those programs or that or those practices. That's an mm. important piece um, for that. Uh, other people I encourage everyone to look at one, Dallas Willard, every, mm. Anything Everything by Dallas yeah. Willard, mm. Divine Conspiracy, a great place uh, to start there as well. You can check out my book, Sacred Space, yeah. Eight Rhythms. Um, where, I can, do, where can people pick that up? Uh, Amazon. You can, you can find that on Amazon. Um, uh, I do a Sacred Space retreat up at Mount Angel every August, and so I've been doing that for years since the book came out. Uh, so also, you know, just thinking, go back, look through Allender's stuff. Anything from Brandon, jump into that. You're gonna you're gonna find a, a great journey in and down. Ruth Haley Barton, she has some some powerful tools. Larry Crab, some of his later work had become really mm-hmm. good. He has a book called Soul Talk, which which is awesome. He has a, a one book called Shattered Dreams, which is really how do we escape the what he calls the law of linearity, mm-hmm. which is really the the Western Christians. If I do A and B, it equals C. Mm. So it's a formulaic faith. Yeah. If I if I dedicate my children and I tithe and I go to church and I'm in small group and I serve on Wednesday, if I do all this, God owes me a perfect marriage and a perfect, healthy, happy family. And a spot on the board. And a spot on the board. <laughs> and the, Larry points out, that's really great. That's great while it works. And then we blame it on right. our own work that we're successful but he goes but when the bottom falls out he takes us to Job but what do you do when the bottom falls out right. and you did it right you lived mm. the law of linearity or I would call it the Old Testament law it was mm, I'll be your God and you'll be my people if you then I right yeah. Jesus freed us from that 
So as we move forward, it's like, what do you do when you do all of those things and the bottom falls out in Job chapter one, bottom falls out again, and mm-hmm. the bottom falls out again, and then God is mm-hmm. silent for 38 chapters. Yeah. How do we live and believe God is good there? If we can get to that point, you know, you're starting to experience some emotional health. Mm. And as a leader, when you're able to give encouragement and hope in in those places, that's when you're leading, I think, the best. Mm. So good. Man, if you need to go back and, like, write a list out of all the resources. Yeah, I can leave you a list, too. I'll leave you a list. Great for it. We'll put some in the description for you guys. Um, As we begin to wrap up our time here, and this has been great talking about emotional health and, and soul care, if you could recommend like a, a next step for someone, um, maybe it's maybe maybe you can kind of go in two ways here. Someone who is maybe more brand new to the conversation of emotional health and soul care, and they know that there's this element of, of uh, growth that they need, but but they're just entering into this. What would be a next step for them? And then maybe someone. On more on the that has been in this conversation has heard some of this stuff and is pursuing this emotionally healthy spirituality, this emotional health, and just maybe a practical next step for them as well. What what would you recommend? What would you say would be a couple next steps for people? There's about seventy five next. No, <laughs> There's a couple of easier steps to take first. One, it's a marathon. Mm. It's not a sprint. Yeah. Um, Jesus is into the long game. So don't don't pack out your week with all of these spiritual practices trying to get there. It's like, what's the one thing you can do? And there's no one right way. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever done Enneagram. I'm Enneagram 7. Yeah. So for years, when I grew up, when I grew up hearing I needed to get up at 5 a.m., be like King David every morning and do my devotionals and read my scriptures. And, you know, it is like, well, I'm getting to bed by 2 uh, you know, so getting up at five wasn't in my wasn't in my cards. But I grew up hearing there's one one way that Christians form. Hmm. When I learned that that's just not true, that I I could try different things and my rhythms weren't like like an Enneagram one. Everything is mm-hmm, perfect, yeah. you know, and, and on on the spot, right? That wasn't me. Finding the grace for that was super freeing. Yeah. First of all, mm-hmm. to know okay, there is no one way that's the only right true biblical way so finding finding space that works for you start with where can you find space i'm going to give you what i think are the most important practices first sabbath really is an important practice sabbath has Mm -hmm. saved my life Um, my sabbath rhythms as a pastor were consistent and uh, my during most of those years it was a tuesday the church knew the staff knew this was my day that jesus was the only thing on my calendar and in my Sabbath time, it was time to delight in Him. So doing the things mm-hmm. that I felt my soul explode and expand in yeah. uh, was what I did on my, on my Sabbath. And sometimes that was sleeping in. Sometimes, yeah. you know, that, that was going, going golfing. For me, I connect best when I read. But so there, my Sabbath always had that. But find time. Now you might be saying, but Monty, you don't understand. I work a full-time job right, right. or I'm a full-time mom and I've got toddlers. And it's like... Mm-hmm. Can you find and can you ask your spouse to help you find a two-hour space somewhere in your week that that you will protect each other in marriage for that, right? And so if, if it's three hours, if you can find four, whatever it is, start 
just somewhere. Yeah. Maybe you can't get that every day, yeah. but start somewhere, pull off. This is going to be my Sabbath time where you let go. Mm-hmm. In that Sabbath time, the most important things to start practicing is solitude and silence in yeah. that. Get rid of the noise. Don't just fill it. Go slow. Get a small a small piece of scripture. Read it just a little bit. Read it slow. Chew on it. Ruminate on it. Meditate on it. Let it dance around and ask Holy Spirit to teach you through it. Yeah. So you're going to start entering into a listening journey with that time. And so that's an easy place to start. Hmm. For those who've been at it for a long time, it's like, what are the rhythms I can begin building? Scazzaro, I love that. He gets us going with a morning and an evening rhythm. That's been a part of my journey forever. In the mornings, that's when I do my meditative reading and listening and just sitting. In the evening, I do Ignatian. So I'm doing a daily review. Where was I most connected to Jesus during the day today? Where was I most disconnected? When did I betray myself? But when when did I honor God in my life? So, and then I'm setting intention, you know, for the next day through that. Those two rhythms, if you could get there, super healthy. Yep. If you start your day with Jesus and end your day with Jesus, your next day is going to automatically yeah. be better because mm. you wake up with whatever it is you went to sleep with. Mm. That thing that was bouncing around in your head when you went to sleep is the first thing on your mind when you wake up. If yeah. you begin to make Jesus that peace, you start with a, a an ability to bless rather than just need yeah. in that next day. So I'd start there. Such That's good beautiful. stuff. That's beautiful. Such good stuff. So here's some takeaways for me. From, from our talk today so far, Monty. Um, you, you said this, and you kind of said this in passing, but it's not the practices that transform mm-hmm. us. It's Jesus yep. that transforms us, yep. right? And yep. I think that that's, for me, that's a big takeaway. I think the practices help in the transformation. I think the rhythms help, the disciplines help. You talked about Dallas Willard and, yep. and others. Um, but at the end of the day... Um, those are tools. Or Those tra- are tools. trellises, right? Yep. Like, like Steve. Uh, yeah. Like so find the ones say. that work. That's why. Yeah. It's not a one size fits all. Yeah. So like, if you grew up with, here's how you pray, acts, yeah. adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Yeah. Here's your prayer time. Here's your, you know, you go through the the Bible. It's like, well, that works for some people. Yeah. And so do it. Yeah. For for others, it, it, it can be a completely different. different pathway. So find that rhythm. And I would say try a bunch of different yeah, things. Absolutely. You know, like on my personal journey, like. Yeah. And then some seasons, one thing worked, mm-hmm. and then it kind of just kind of yeah. got dry for a little bit. Absolutely. So just kind of put it down for a second, and then try something mm-hmm. new, and then mm-hmm. go back. And then there's those desert seasons, right? Those 38 chapters yeah. where you're not hearing, you're not but hearing. you're still listening. And you're, yeah. And I remember that coming out of Bible college, mm-hmm. uh, a guy out of Philly, Eric Mason, says it takes... 10 years to thaw from seminary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? And that, if you've been to seminary, you've been to, like, like that, that, for me, I went to Bible yeah. college, so it took me about five. Yeah. Right? And so, and so right after Bible college, like, you know, the Bible was a textbook. Mm-hmm. Right? And so for me, it was like really hard to engage, even though I was in the Bible every week right. to preach. I was in, I was teaching, I was doing small groups, right? And it was very like chewing on sand. Yeah. But then I just asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I want to hunger for the scriptures again because I know that's where I'm going to meet you. And then right around that yeah. five-year mark, for whatever reason, yeah. it started to happen again. Well, you just 
before you're done, I know you're out of time, but you made you just made a really important statement that you're in the Word, you're studying, you're preaching. One of the problems for those of us who go into ministry is we think that our prep time for yeah. that Sunday sermon not is our form. It is not the same. Not the it same. will not sustain you. Yeah. And we read, because that's yeah. more about you and performance yeah. and making yeah. sure you got a good preach and that you're connected, which is all good. Yeah. But it's that's not your soul formation. You're picking up stuff and you're learning and growing, yeah. but you are not sitting at the feet of the master, the one who right. transforms you. So whatever it is that works for you to sit at the feet of Jesus mm. so that he transforms you, that's the practice that works best for you. And it does change, Luis yeah. and Scott. The the tools and the things that you did when you were on on your journey early to help connect you that that you felt worked stop working at some point in your life. The old tools, the old wineskins no longer connect you. And then you hit this desert and you're wondering, is it me? Is it you, God? What what I think God is doing through that is trying to create hunger for Him in you. So like, yep, that worked during this period. It doesn't work now because you need to lean in in a new way, in a fresh way. I also believe the older you get, I've got a couple of years on YouTube. Um, the older you get, the primary language of God becomes silence because you don't need the voice as much as you've walked with him as when you were young. I needed his voice. I needed to see him move in the supernatural to prove and validate my faith in him. There comes a point when spiritual maturity becomes love and love is okay with the goodness of God in all situations. Yeah. And so you don't need the voice all the time because you have the presence. There's a difference between the voice and the presence. Mm. And so once you start to hit the presence, you, you stop asking for things because you, you finally realize God already knows everything you need. And he's already got that dialed in for you. You just need to accept how it shows up yeah. in your life. That's a huge transformative moment yeah. in a person's life. And you, you now you're you're leaning into the Lord in a different way, and you're learning you you're learning to, His voice through the ru- silence. ruthless trust, ruthless just, trust, yep. and just being exactly. Man, it's been great having uh, you join us. Thanks for making the trek out here. You got it, man. We appreciate uh, your leadership here with the Alliance Northwest, and um, man, we'd love to have you back on the show at some point. Um, but any parting words? Nope. Love y'all. Uh, Stay tethered to Jesus. That's the most important thing I could say to anybody. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. Stay tuned as we release episodes each Wednesday. We'd appreciate it if you would like, review, share, and subscribe our podcast. Thank you for listening.